Hey, BSN listeners, really excited to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft Coffee is the CBD-enriched coffee that's really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. We couldn't recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today, and you can receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. What's up? Welcome into the show. Harrison Wint here on a Wednesday. The BSN Nuggets podcast, as always, is presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope you guys enjoyed Summer League. I certainly did. I was out there Friday through Tuesday. Back in Denver now, the Nuggets still have a couple more games out in Las Vegas. I only caught two of them. Would have caught three if not for the earthquake Friday night, which was one of the most surreal experiences that have to do with basketball that I've probably been a part of. But anyways, I saw two games. Have some takes, have some impressions about these guys on the Nuggets Summer League roster, which is what I'll start with, then get into some more Jeremy Grant talk, maybe some talk about Jamal Murray's extension. He showed up at Summer League on Tuesday, and then Denver has a game Tuesday night against the Warriors, and I believe they'll have at least one more. A change to Summer League this year means that every team is entered into the bracket for the Summer League tournament to try to capture that illustrious Summer League trophy that everybody's fighting so hard for. I think everybody gets into that regardless of your record over these first four or in Denver's case, three games. So Nuggets will be in that, I'm guessing, either Friday or Saturday. Something to that nature. So some more Summer League action to come, but I've got some impressions and some takes that I want to start with right off the bat. Do want to remind you guys, though, if you have questions for the show, wind.bsndenver.com. Believe the Total Beverage Fan Hotline will be back at some point, and you guys can start calling in there again. But for now, wind.bsendenver.com. I got a bunch of questions that I'm going to go over in a couple minutes that will kind of lead us into a discussion on Jeremy Grant, Jamal Murray, where the Nuggets go for here, if Andre Iguodala is still in play, Bradley Beal. So we will get to all of that in a moment. Let's start off with Summer League, though, because I feel like Summer League is never something you want to react to too much, but you definitely don't want to dismiss it either. There are little things here and there that I think you can take away. And the guy I think I want to start with is probably Jared Vanderbilt, because after the news came down that Michael Porter Jr. wasn't going to play in Summer League, and quick sidebar, caught up with Porter in Vegas, caught up with Michael Malone in Vegas, you'll see articles about my chats with those two, both on bsndenver.com over the next week or so. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But when that news came down that Porter wasn't playing, Jared Vanderbilt probably got thrust into the spotlight as the most intriguing guy. Vlako Chanchar intriguing as well, but Vanderbilt at least was around the team last year. So you guys probably have some type of familiarity with him. Played only four games in the G League, not as many as I think most people thought he would play, uh, but came back from that injury and got some minutes there and then played mostly garbage time minutes for Denver's varsity squad, as I like to call the Nuggets. So we didn't really know 
I think what he was going to do at Summer League, you saw glimpses of the skill set, glimpses of the rebounding. He was one of the best rebounders just on a per-minute basis in college, one of the best rebounders that's ever come out of the draft, just from a statistical standpoint, so you figure that would translate. And then his playmaking is really what gets you excited. He projects as a guy, in my mind at least, that can get a rebound, push the ball up the floor, finish in transition, or make the right play, make the right pass, and assist on a basket. So that's the type of player I think he can become, kind of a Lamar Odom, a Pascal Siakam type guy. And we've seen that in glimpses, I think, over the first two games at Summer League. Maybe we'll see it more tonight against the Warriors. Some of you might actually be listening to this after that game takes place. But over the first two games, we've seen that here and there. I think we've seen a couple grab-and-goes. We've seen him try to attack the basket, take his man off the bounce. We've seen him try to set up others. We've definitely seen his rebounding for sure. He's been very aggressive on the glass, I think. Had 12 rebounds in that game Tuesday night against the Celtics. But it's been a little inconsistent. And I don't think it's anything alarming. Look, this is a guy who was injured in college, didn't play a lot there, then obviously didn't play a lot last season, didn't come back, didn't get healthy, didn't debut in the G League or with the Nuggets until, what, December, January? He hasn't played a ton of basketball at this level. He just hasn't gotten in the reps, and I think you're seeing some of that rust on the defensive end of the floor. I remember a couple plays specifically in that opener where he just guessed wrong on his pick-and-roll coverages, and while he did have some standout moments defensively, trapping the ball, rotating, defending in space, you definitely saw a little bit of rust. So I think that's fine. I think that's expected. But based on what I've seen so far, it's really hard to see him having an impact next season. And that's okay because Jeremy Grant's here now. They've got Nikola Jokic. They've still got Mason Plumlee. They've got Paul Millsap as well. Uh, So there's a lot of ample bodies that Denver can turn to in the front court. They don't need Jared Vanderbilt this year, but he can definitely factor in down the line. I don't think his performance has decreased what I thought of his ceiling coming into this thing. And I've been on record saying I think he could be the power forward of the future. And while that title probably goes to Jeremy Grant right now, I don't think Jared Vanderbilt's necessarily out of that discussion completely. He can still get to that level. But just speculating ahead to next season, he's probably going to be buried on the depth chart again. I could see him getting some G League minutes, definitely. I think Denver would like to have him just kind of in case of emergency on the end of their bench as a fifth big, if you will. But next year, yeah, it just doesn't look great in terms of kind of his ETA to Denver's rotation. It still could be coming, though. I still think he will factor into Denver's plans down the line, but... He doesn't look ready right now. The Jeremy Grant signing probably delays that ETA a bit. But I'm still very high on Jared Vanderbilt. I think the Nuggets are as well. Curious to see what he does over the rest of the week in Las Vegas. The next guy I want to talk about, just kind of give my overall thoughts on, of Lako Chanchar. Big fan of what he's done in Vegas. Big fan of his game. I still think he's on track to get one of those final two roster spots. And if he takes one, that likely means Denver will just have one open roster spot remaining. He looked like an NBA player to me, not a starter. Like, let's not get carried away here. Maybe not even a sixth or a seventh man, but I think he could give a lot of teams out there 10 to 15 minutes a game off the bench. Now, I don't know if those minutes are available in Denver for him next season, right? 
just take a look at who you've got on the wing and at the forward spots where he'll likely play. And I think he probably projects as a four, but maybe could play some three as well. You've got Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant ahead of him there. You've got Wancho, who I am still holding out a bit that he could factor into this thing somehow. I just think his skill set, his shooting, his ability to move the ball and just fit into the Nuggets' read-and-react offense. It's a pretty unique skill set that he has, and I think he can still help this team next year. So I'm not sure where he'll factor in, but I'm not shutting the door on him contributing next season by any means. And then at the three, you've got Will Barton, potentially Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig. So he's kind of pushed down the pecking order there. Now, if you're asking me who's going to have a bigger impact next season, Vlako Chanchar or Jared Vanderbilt, I'd say Chanchar. I just think he's more NBA ready. He looked much more under control to me over the first two summer league games. He looked much more sure of himself. And look, to his credit, he's played a lot more basketball over the last two years than Jared Vanderbilt has. He was just coming off a season in the ACB, largely recognized as the second best league in the world behind the NBA, while Jared Vanderbilt was mostly sitting on the bench for Denver. So he was playing this last year. Jared Vanderbilt really wasn't. And I think you saw some of the ripple effects of that in Las Vegas. He can shoot it. He can pass it. He can dribble it. He's a good decision maker. He's a quick decision maker, kind of like Wancho Hernan Gomez is. I've always talked about this, but Wancho, the second he gets the ball, he's either going to pass it, shoot it, or attack the rim. And that decision-making process happens quicker for Wancho than almost anybody on the Nuggets roster. And I see some of that in Vlaco as well. He's just really sure of himself, knows what he's going to do when he gets the ball. Good off-the-ball mover, too. He had a couple really nice cuts over these first two games in Las Vegas. Just really great timing. Got to the rim at just the right time. Finished a couple of them as well. A couple dunks, a couple layups. And you can really easily envision him playing next to Nikola Jokic, cutting off of him. I think he just fits what the Nuggets do on the court. His play style fits Denver's read-and-react motion offense. Off the court, he fits in as well. As high of a character guy as you're going to find in the league is Vlako Chanchar. Great teammate, unselfish, so I think he's going to fit really well in Denver starting next season and won't factor in heavily, I don't think, to Denver's rotation. I think he'll play a bigger role than Jared Vanderbilt, if you're asking me that question. But down the line, I think he could be a factor for sure. A couple other guys I should probably hit on here. Brandon Goodwin, who played last year under a two-way deal for Denver. I believe he's still on one as of now for next season. Brandon Goodwin's a score-first point guard. He's not very tall. He's like six foot one, And he's a guy who, if he's going to make it in the league, and I think he can as a third point guard or a backup on probably a bad team, he's just going to have to score the ball. Because if he's not scoring, I just don't think he's going to give you enough elsewhere. But I do like his scoring instincts. He's got a good shot. He can usually get to the rim. He's an okay finisher around the rim, at least from what I've seen over these two games and even going back a bit. But he probably needs to get a little bit better in that regard. It's going to be tough for him just to be a really solid defender at his size at just 6'1 and probably like a buck 70, buck 75. And then you've seen flashes of his ability in the pick and roll, but nothing that you know, I think you're going to call elite. So if he's going to make it, he's going to have to score. And he did that in Denver's second summer league game against Boston when he had 28. 
So he can score in bunches. We saw that in the G League. Averaged 22 points a game in the G League. Just has a really nice scoring instinct for a point guard. As of now, don't really see him factoring into Denver's long-term plans. I mean, I bet he's the third point guard on this roster right now. And I, I just don't see Denver having much of a need for him next season. But he can truly make it in the league. Not every team has the depth at point guard that Denver does with Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, Will Barton can handle some point guard duties. Nicole Jokic obviously initiates most of Denver's offense, so I don't see him making it here. He could catch on with another team, though. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I'll get to Terrence Davis in a few minutes. Got a question on him that I want to hit on. The undrafted guy, Denver, signed out of Mississippi after the draft, who got picked up by Toronto. I will discuss what I saw from him and kind of how that process went down. You guys, listeners of this podcast, shouldn't be surprised. I've been hyping up Terrence Davis on this show all last week. Was telling you guys that he was one of Denver's top performers throughout the summer league training camp. You shouldn't have been terribly surprised when he went for 22 points on 8 of 12 shooting from the field, 5 of 7 from 3. Five rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block, and played great defense. I've been telling you, he would most likely do all those things. Maybe besides shoot, because that was a question mark he had coming out of school. But I'll touch on him in a second. Thomas Welsh, I think in Las Vegas, has done the things that Thomas Welsh does. Team player, looks to set others up, sets really good screens, knows his role in the offense, can facilitate a little bit, can shoot the ball a little bit, but didn't really show me anything yet that makes me believe he can be a third center for the Nuggets next year if Denver was looking to get another big. I don't think they could really rely on him as of right now if they had to. That's my personal opinion. Maybe in a year or two, he can be that guy. I don't think he'll be that guy right now. Two more guys I want to hit on real quick before we hit a break. Jordan Davis, the undrafted guard out of North Carolina, had a nice game on Tuesday against the Celtics. 10 points off the bench after he didn't score in the opener. Don't think he's an NBA guy next season. I would bet he gets a nice deal overseas, though. Seems like a guy who could really fill it up at the next level. So wouldn't be surprised if he's able to get a nice deal, nice contract overseas out of this. And then Tyler Cook, same goes for him, although I could see him latching on to an NBA team somewhere. Denver does have an open roster spot, though. Not sure if he's the type of guy they would want to give it to. Maybe they would look at another guard, per se. But Cook showed a little bit of upside, I thought, in Vegas. Just a strong interior player. Good defender, decent rebounder, okay touch around the rim. The only issue with his game, though, not a really dangerous three-point shooter or shooter for that matter. He's pretty tied to the paint, so that would be the one thing he's really got to work on, I'd say, to give himself a more legitimate NBA shot. So a lot to take in from those first two summer league games. Denver plays Wednesday night against Golden State again, then they'll have at least one more game in Las Vegas before getting out of there and getting back to Denver. I want to hit on some questions that a bunch of you guys submitted through email, wind.bsndenver.com as always. First though, it's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American Amber Ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky 
that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is a light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched this week. You'll be able to see all the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. Let's get to the first question I've got here. This one comes from Mario. He writes, Hi, Harrison. Woohoo, the Nuggets finally made a move this summer. Trading for Jeremy Grant is a great pickup for Denver. Using Wilson Chandler's TPE and you just slide in Grant's contract of $9 million. Grant is the perfect piece for Denver. He can play either forward position. He can make three, shot 39% last season, and can block shots. He's long, 6'8", with a 7'2 wingspan. He's young, 25, so he fits in perfectly with the core of our team. So exciting. He'll be our starting small forward first game of the season, so you'll owe me a Dr. Pepper. Now all the Nuggets have to do is trade Barton so they can keep Beasley going forward. Hope you're having fun in Las Vegas. And then Mario writes, was it uncool for Masai to poach a player, Terrence Davis, off of Denver's Summer League roster? Is there etiquette for that? I'm sure Denver's front office must not have been too happy about what Masai did. Let me hit on that first before I go to that Terrence Davis take you had, which I agree with for the most part. So here's the backstory on Terrence Davis. I think I might have gone over this a little bit on a podcast recently, but just to rehash it again, Terrence Davis could have gotten selected in the second round by a number of teams. There were 10 plus teams who wanted to pick him in the second round, but all those wanted to put him on a two-way contract, which would have given him 45 days to spend with the Nuggets and every other day next season, he would have to spend in the G League. He didn't want to do that. He wanted a full-time NBA deal. He thought he was an NBA player, so he bet on himself, turned down those offers, and after the draft, agreed to play with the Nuggets on their summer league roster. Why Denver? Well, for a couple reasons. The Nuggets were going to give him a bunch of playing time in Vegas, probably give him that starting two-yard spot, which he had for that first and only game he was with the Nuggets. So that looked like a really good opportunity. Secondly, Denver most likely was never really going to have a roster spot for him. Like I said, it looks like they're only going to have one remaining roster spot for next season. And I don't know if Denver would have wanted to sign Terrence Davis to that. If they did, they didn't act fast enough because Toronto swooped in there and did that. But also, here's another little backstory. Terrence Davis and Kenrich Williams. Do you remember Kenrich Williams from last year's summer league team? 6'8 forward. Versatile, can do a little bit of everything, except shoot. He didn't shoot well in Vegas last year. But they share an agent. And last season, Kenrich Williams didn't like look amazing. He didn't have a game like Terrence Davis did in the summer league opener, but he looked good enough. And the Pelicans signed Kenrich Williams to a full NBA contract. And I believe he's still with the Pelicans to this day. So Terrence Davis and Kenrich Williams share an agent and... Terrence Davis thought, hey, maybe I can do what Kenrich Williams did. Be with Denver for Summer League and then parlay a strong performance there into a full-time NBA deal elsewhere. And that's what he did. So no, it's not dirty for Masai to poach him. He wasn't under a contract for next season with the Nuggets. He was just playing with their Summer League team. I don't know if Denver would have wanted to sign him to one. But this happens all the time throughout the league. The Raptors saw that game, liked what they saw. 
They were a little thin on the wing after losing Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. And they poached him. That's what happens at Summer League. And I thought it was pretty cool how he bet on himself and got rewarded for it. I wrote a big profile on him on bsndenver.com that came out on Tuesday. If you guys haven't checked that out, I would recommend it. Talk with his dad for it. He came from poverty. He came from nothing and then turned down a two-way NBA contract to bet on himself and then got rewarded with a contract that will pay him more than some guys who were selected in the second round. In terms of what you said about Jeremy Grant, Mario, I would agree with most of it. I think he's a great fit for Denver. Said that in the podcast I did on Monday on bsndenver.com, which you can find was also on the Locked on Nuggets podcast with Adam Mares. Make sure to listen to that. We talked about Jeremy Grant a lot and some early impressions from Summer League. I think he's more of a four than you do. I think he's definitely more of a four than a three. I think he's even more of a five than a three. But we'll see. Maybe Denver puts him at small forward. I wouldn't anticipate that happening, but I guess anything's possible. I think he's a great fit on the court. He'll be a really nice fit alongside both Nikola Jokic and Paul Millsap. I could see all those guys, all those combinations playing really well off of one another. His floor spacing makes you think he'll be able to play with Mason Plumley as well. And his defensive upside is something the Nuggets are very excited about, particularly Michael Malone. Michael Malone loves long, defensive-minded players who have a high defensive IQ. I think Jeremy Grant fits into that category. He'll be able to block shots. He'll be able to get his hand in passing lanes, generate turnovers, just be another long defender. The Nuggets can throw at a lot of those really talented wings that they'll be playing this season. So he's a great pickup, and it's a really strong move from Denver to put him into that trade exception that was created with the Wilson Chandler trade. I mean, would you rather have Jeremy Grant for next season at nine mil or Tobias Harris on a max deal? That's not a hard decision, right? Jeremy Grant is just the better value there. And I do believe Jeremy Grant is going to be in a Nuggets uniform for a while. I think Denver made this move thinking that Jeremy Grant is going to be a big part of what we do, not just next season, but in 2020 in 2021, in 2022. I think they made this move with a long-term view that he's a guy they want to continue to build with, and he's a guy that can push them one step closer to a championship. I said this on the podcast I did with Adam. Deb Johnson from Mile High Sports was also on that podcast Monday, but the Nuggets are the most slept-on team in the league. I cannot believe for a team that's bringing back everybody of significance from last year. From last year's 54-win team that was within a random bounce from going to the Western Conference Finals that they're not getting talked about as a contender in the Western Conference. They're not. The Clippers are. Guys are even talking about the Rockets as that team. The Jazz are getting some play. The Nuggets have as good of a shot as any of those teams, I do believe, maybe outside the Clippers, to win the conference. I think the Clippers are the rightful favorite. But after that, I think the Nuggets have the next best shot to win the conference. I thought they had a chance to win the West before the Jeremy Grant trade. I think they have a chance, obviously, to win the West after the Jeremy Grant trade and probably a better chance. So this is a great move for Denver. It's a move that raises their ceiling, I believe, also raises their floor. And I think he's going to fit in really nicely. Got a few more questions to get to. 
But first, a quick break. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Welcome back to the show. Harrison Wind here on a Wednesday. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. If you visit mygreensolution.com and use code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. Let's get back to the questions here. Corey writes in, does acquiring Jeremy Grant mean we shouldn't go after Andre Iguodala, how would we make that happen? No. Acquiring Jeremy Grant does not mean the Nuggets, in my opinion, should halt their quest to land Andre Iguodala. I think they still should go after him. Yes, even with Jeremy Grant. As I just explained, I think Jeremy Grant's more of a four than a three. Maybe he could see some time at the three here and there, but my read on it is he's a four and will play a lot of four in Denver Andre Iguodala, he doesn't have the three-point shot that you would want from your three-man, but he's more of a perimeter guy than Jeremy Grant. He can handle it better. He can attack better. You're more comfortable with him initiating things on the perimeter than you are with Jeremy Grant. He's a guy who I would still really like Denver the target at the three. I think that would just be still a great move for them. And I explained this in an article on bsndenver.com. And if you guys aren't subscribed right now, you can get an annual subscription for $3.33 a month and also get a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver Locker. Make sure to get on that while this offer is still going. And also make sure to download the BSN Denver app on both iPhone and Android. But anyways, it does seem, at least from my perspective, there could be a path to a deal with Memphis for Andre Iguodala before he gets bought out, if Memphis really is looking to get something back for him, which I'm sure they would, around Will Barton and Wancho Aaron Gomez. That works from a salary perspective. I thought maybe you could sub in Trey Lyles for Wancho Aaron Gomez and include him in the deal, but Denver just rescinded his rights when they did acquire Jeremy Grant, so he won't be on the Nuggets next year. So maybe that could be a pathway to a deal, Will Barton and Wancho. It probably depends on what Memphis thinks of both those guys. I don't know if that would be of interest to them, but I can't see Denver really going further than that for a guy like Iguodala, who's kind of on the last legs of his career. I think he does have a couple more really good seasons left in him, uh, but definitely not the type of guy you want to go really overboard just to acquire. But I still think he would be a great fit in Denver. Don't get me wrong. 
His defense, his IQ, his pedigree. The Nuggets love to talk about pedigree. Iguodala certainly has that. Finals MVP, five straight finals, an NBA champion. He's got all the pedigree in the world. So if Denver really wants him and Memphis really likes that package, maybe something develops. If they just buy him out and he gets the buyout market, that probably decreases Denver's chances to go get him, especially when you've got teams like the Clippers, like the Lakers, who I'm sure would love to have him as well. So by trade is the most likely outcome, I think, for Iguodala. Maybe they could still get him in the buyout market, but there would obviously be some competition there as well. The other guy, a lot of people like to throw out, Zach Lowe in particular, who said in a recent column that he's still going to be banging that Bradley Beal the Denver drum for as long as he can. I've been banging it as well. Listeners of this podcast know I'm a Bradley Beal guy. I'm really high on him. I love him as a player and think he would fit really well in Denver. Now, what would the Nuggets have to give up to get him? I don't know. Probably Gary Harris, a package around that. Maybe a Malik Beasley as well. Porter. I I don't know. It's tough to speculate on that because you have no idea what the Wizards would want. They want to stay relevant if they want picks. If you're Denver, you just gave up a first round in the Jeremy Grant deal. You're probably fine with giving up future firsts. It does seem like the Nuggets are okay with that. And those picks are, you know, probably gonna be like twenty-fourth, twenty-fifth in the first round at the very lowest. So not a huge deal giving up those in the future. And you think Denver's going to be really good for a while. But he's another guy who I think would raise Denver's ceiling. His durability would be a huge thing for this Nuggets team who has been a little injury prone at times. Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap. Bradley Beal's an 82-game player in the regular season. He's a guy who's going to go out there every night, doesn't get injured a ton, and is very durable. I think that'd be great for Denver. And he's just a great guard. He's an all-star caliber guard in the Eastern Conference, but I think he'd be an all-star in the West as well. Great from three, great creator, unselfish, not a black hole, good guy off the court as well. So I think he'd be a good option for Denver, but obviously that's a much more daunting trade proposition to look at, I think, in my mind, and trade discussion to get into then, one for Iguodala. Let's hit another break. One final question that I want to get to on the other side. We'll be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. 
Welcome back to the show. Harrison Wind here on a Wednesday. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. If you visit mygreensolution.com and use code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. Here's a question from Ranchman. He writes, Ranchman here. This offseason has heated up the way the transactions between teams occur. The price to succeed has increased. One way is that the very best of players are continuing the South Beast strategy launched by LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade in 2010, in which the premier players are orchestrating free agent destinations. We see that with the Clippers, Lakers, and Nets this year. Secondly, the cost of trading for the very best talent has skyrocketed. The number of draft picks and players it now takes to trade for the top-tier talent has become a high-stakes poker game. It's almost a I-win-you-lose situation, as Toronto and the Lakers have found out. One is now filling out their roster with cast-offs, and the other is beginning a rebuild. Third, very good players are continuing to get maximum contracts when their value isn't really established. In some instances, those contracts won't work out, and such teams are going to be in a financial headlock. Andrew Wiggins is the poster child for this. And finally, premier players who sign long-term contracts now are able to force management to trade them and may even be able to orchestrate their destination, such as in Paul George. On the bright side for the losing team is the second term I referred to. The losing team may receive a bounty of draft picks for that player and other supporting talent. On the dark side, they will face a long rebuild. We can gain some insight into how these changes impact Nuggets in the next few seasons by listening to Woj and Zach Lowe on the Low Post. They were discussing that a championship team needs at least one A-plus player and two A-minus players to have a chance to compete for a championship. Here's what they said about the Nuggets. Zach Lowe. Denver did nothing to its roster. What is the power of continuity for them? Denver is this young team that is trying to grow organically. They have one A-plus guy in Jokic, but I don't know if they have that A-minus guy on their roster, even though they paid Jamal Murray like an A-plus guy. Woj. I think they have hope down the road that it will be Michael Porter Jr., but it's too soon to tell. The fine differentiations of A plus A, A minus B plus are too nuanced for me. I will stick to the notion that the gold standard to win a championship is to have three A players, although Toronto just did it with two players of A stature due to injuries to the Warriors. Nuggets have an A in Jokic and some Bs. They hope in a few years Murray and Porter can become A's. But no one knows. Matt Moore appeared on Adam Mars' show recently and said he thinks the Nuggets may come to get the Murray contract. I was very surprised by the contract, but I don't have more to say on it than that. The Nuggets' strategy to date is clear. They hope to gain future A players solely through the draft and will continue to skip the steps that virtually every other contender is taking of securing those players through either of the other two key steps, through free agency and through big-ticket trades. We know in the 2020-2021 season, if this strategy leads them to the finals, we'll see what happens. I'm out. So a couple things I want to hit on there. Yeah, obviously you need three A-level players. I think I can get around to that to win an NBA championship in most seasons. I've always felt, though, like if Denver's going to get a championship, it's going to be in one of those weird years. Maybe a year like we just saw last year where the favorite just has all these injuries and a team who maybe wouldn't win the finals in a year where everybody stays healthy, gets that in Toronto. Maybe Denver would have a path to a championship in one of those years. That's kind of what I always felt. But no, there is a scenario out there. I think it is on the table that Denver can compete for championships year in and year out if they get the right pieces in place. But going back to your larger point, Ranchman, I would agree. Three A players is kind of the starting point there. Nicole Jokic is one. 
I think Jamal Murray can develop into another. And then Denver's still searching for that third guy for sure. Maybe it's Michael Porter Jr., although I don't really want to attach any future projection to him. It's tough, although, man, the more people you talk to around the Nuggets, the more you hear about how good this guy has looked in practices and how he'll factor into a rotation spot next season. So that'll be very interesting to tell. Can Gary Harris get there? I think there's a scenario out there where he could. Like, I think he's a B-plus player right now, probably, you know? If he's able to stay healthy, maybe he can get into that A range. Can Jeremy Grant get there? Maybe, but probably not. Paul Millsap, I don't think he's going to be that A guy. So if you're looking at guys on the roster right now, like Jared Vanderbilt, too early to tell. It's probably Jokic, Murray, and Porter. Jokic, Murray, and Gary Harris. I still would hold out hope that Harris can get there if he's able to stay healthy. But if not, I would disagree with Ranchman with this point. I still think Denver could trade for that guy. I still think that's a possibility. Like, I don't think Denver is against trading for that A-plus talent if a trade package that they liked really formulated and came about, and it was a scenario that they liked. I don't think Denver is averse to that by any means, so I would disagree on that point. But, man, Michael Porter Jr. I'll have some thoughts from Michael Malone, some interesting thoughts on Michael Porter Jr., later this week or next week on bsendeavor.com. Keep your eyes out for that. That's all the time I got for today, guys. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Talk to you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.